Oh man, it's so good to be back together. It's been forever. And uh, just to worship with you guys today. You know, the Bible talks about how there's a real presence in this room with us right now. Okay, I know a lot of us grew up in church and we've heard the resurrection story a thousand times, but let's just realize right now that he is literally here with us. Let that soak in for a second. We're talking about the creator who spoke the whole world, who spoke the whole world into existence. He's literally here and he hears our praises. He hears our worship. He hears our prayers. Like I'm not standing up here by myself right now. I, I believe this more than ever. I've believed in him for almost 40 years now. And I believe him more now than ever. The way he's answered my prayers, the way he's been so true to this book, everything in here. And I just want to remind us this morning as I was praying, like, God, what do you want me to say? I think sometimes we can, we can get caught up in so many different issues and different things to where we almost feel like the good news of the gospel is like, ah, we've heard that before. And that's when we get into trouble. It's like, let's talk about something a little bit more detailed or, or a little bit more obscure or, or teach me something that I don't know yet. And it's like, no, we need to center our lives around the good news. And if the good news has become old news to you, something needs to change about you, okay? Uh, I, I just feel like I want to spend the rest of my life sharing the good news, the simple good news. The Apostle Paul was, would, would talk about how when I came to you, he goes, I decided, I made a decision not to know anything except Christ and him crucified. And I decided to come not with eloquence and superior wisdom, so that, so that the cross wouldn't be diminished of its power. See, there's a way that I can come on, you know, in front of you with some sort of, you know, clever, prepared speech about some amazing topic. And in my flesh, in my arrogance, I'll actually take all the power out of my message. Rather than humbly coming and simply sharing with you the greatest news on earth. And guys, sometimes in life, like I don't know about the kind of week you had, but I had so many things coming at me. And you feel like you gotta respond to everything. And pretty soon you're thinking about everything except for good news, right? You're just, that's what the enemy wants us to do. When, when we get together, he wants us to see each other's faults and where you think I'm off and where I think you're off. As long as we don't think about the good news, the enemy's thrilled. So this morning, because Jesus has defeated the enemy, we're going to defeat the enemy by taking all those thoughts out of our head and focusing on the good news of Jesus Christ. 
We have control over this because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're going to talk about the good news of the resurrected Christ. Even this morning, I don't know how many of you guys did your reading this morning from the Bible. Uh, you know, we have this daily Bible reading. And I almost skipped it this morning because I thought, well, it's Easter. And uh, I could just jump to the resurrection story. But I thought, no, 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 I'm going to read. I'm, let me, I can read it all. Okay, so let me start with the, the reading in Isaiah. And, uh, but... The reading in Isaiah, Isaiah 30, listen to what he says. Verse 27, behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with anger and in thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a devouring fire and his breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place on the jaws of the people a bridle that leads astray. This looked like shell-shocked, like I thought you were going to tell us good news. That sounds like terrifying news, right? You guys, you got to understand, this is great news. It is good news that my God is terrifying. He is a terrifying God, and that's great news. I mean, look, look at these words. He has the name of the Lord. He, he, he's, he's burning with anger and a thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury. His tongue is a devouring fire. You know, like, like we talked about in Hebrews, and we studied that. It's like, oh my gosh, this being, he's like a whirlwind. He's like darkness and gloom. These are words coming from the scripture. He's someone that we can't even touch. He's a blazing fire. You know, the Bible says that, that he dwells in unapproachable light. This is all terrifying stuff. But you don't understand that's good news. Because if that God is for me, who can be against me? You see, the fear of the Lord leads to life. See, what the world's going to do is they twist everything around and they, they go, oh, that's bad news that he's so powerful, that he's so terrifying. Good news would be is if I'm at the top of the food chain and there's no one greater than me. I'm saying, no, no, no that's not good news. That we're all on the top of the food chain and, and we just argue with one. No, good news is there's a king up there who is terrifying. And yet he's for us. He's so far beyond us, and yet he's for us. So who can be against us? And do you understand who is with us right now? Do you understand whose presence we're in? He's a terrifying God, and that's good news. I got some more good news. He's coming back to judge us. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I know, again, you're thinking, come on, <laughs> how can that be good news? It's great news. You know why? Because if you were my judge, you'd be off. Okay? And if I, would, if I was your judge, I'd be off. Have, don't you hate it when someone misjudges you? How many of you have been accused of something you didn't do? Doesn't that just infuriate you? 
And when people gossip about you and say stuff behind your back, you're just like, that is so not true. And and these these feelings of anger. And then, then there's times when you misjudge someone else and we do it to each other. But the good news is there's someone that actually knows everything. And he knows the truth about you. I, I, I was thinking about this passage in, in 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 2. Listen to what, I'm sorry, verse 3. Listen to what Paul says. For me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. This is great news. There's a judge that's coming and he knows the truth about my heart. He knows the truth about your heart. You know that terrifying God I was talking about? He's a judge. And he's coming back and he's just going to... So I don't have to spend my life defending myself. I don't have to spend my life trying to figure out what's really going on in your heart. I mean, as a pastor, I try because I want to make sure, you know, like you're, you're right with him for that day of judgment. I mean, when he comes back, I, that's, that's why I don't want you just to be, be uh, offering lip service like the Bible talks about, like we read about today. Like we don't want to just say these things with our lips and not mean it from our heart because he's coming back and he's going to disclose. He's going to disclose the motives of men's heart. He's going to expose it. He's going to bring to light, the Bible says, what is hidden in darkness. Okay, like in this room, there's a lot of secrets, right? There's things you don't know about me. Things I don't know about you. And one day, God's going to expose it all. He's going to bring everything to light. You, you, know, you know how you go through life and there's people you trust for so long and then you realize, oh my gosh, they've been lying to me the whole time. It's an awful, awful feeling. And, and it's horrible because you go, man, it gets you to the point where I don't even know who to trust. Like, I don't know who I can trust in this room. You don't know if you can trust me. And I'm a pastor that's like toughest person to trust like, like what you know nowadays it, it is it's just like we don't know and, and and you can spend your life just trying to defend yourself or figure other people out rather than just going you know what i can rest because there's a perfect judge who's coming you know he says in uh, hebrews Hebrews chapter 10, we read this a little while ago, verse 26. Listen to this. He goes, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment 
and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I know you're hearing that, you're like, come on, lighten up. This sounds like bad news. It's not bad news. There's nothing in here that's bad news. Okay, this is good news. There's a terrifying judge that's coming. And he says, vengeance is mine. That means I don't have to get back at you. I don't have to fight with you. You don't have to fight with me. Understand, there's a judge that's coming and he's going to set everything right. And he says, vengeance is mine. I'm the one that gets to repay. I have more good news. This one I think you'll actually see is good news from the start, I hope. Okay, so good news is there's a terrifying judge that's coming. And that terrifying judge actually wants to forgive us. Like That's his desire. Like he longs for it. Okay, so you understand there's this, this, this amazing being that no one can touch. There's no one like him. He spoke everything into existence. Every single demon, the, the devil himself, is only in existence because he gives them life. That's a crazy thought. That he gives life. He alone is immortal. That God is coming back to judge, but he looks at us who, man, right now we're going, man, there are a lot of hidden things. There's a lot of things I've done that I'm so ashamed of. I'm sick over it. And even this week, I was literally in tears thinking about some of my... I watched like a little clip of me teaching somewhere a while back, and I just saw so much pride as I watched myself like, how arrogant I sound. I know what was going through in my mind. That's so arrogant. I sound so arrogant. God, I'm so sorry. I'm supposed to be up here helping people. And I'm up there with this, this sense of pride. I am so sorry. And, and the Bible says as a teacher, you're going to be judged even more harshly. And it's like, God, I am so sorry. I, I don't want to ever be this proud person in front of people. Lifting up myself rather than him. There are things going on in this room that, that, that we just feel so much shame over that if I ended that sentence, it's, hey, good news, there's a terrifying judge that's coming. It wouldn't be good news. But it doesn't end there. That terrifying judge actually longs to forgive. He loves us. I want to read from Ephesians 2. 
Ephesians 2, listen to this. Verse 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Okay, so here's this terrifying judge who's coming, and he says, look, I get it. You guys were all dead. You guys were all dead in your trespasses and sins. You were just following what you wanted, right? You just felt like doing something. You did it. You didn't care what God thought. You did it. You were like the zombie just going after what you wanted. You'd come up with a thought in your mind like, ooh, that sounds like it would bring me pleasure, and you just went after it. You weren't thinking about this terrifying judge watching you. Maybe that was a passing thought, but the desire was so strong. So you just went after it. And he says you were actually following the pattern of the world, it says. That's what the world says. That's what the world teaches. Hey, you do you. If it feels good, just go after it. No one can tell you not to do that. This is the same lie from the garden. Come on, Eve, take of the fruit. Don't let him tell you what's right or wrong. He knows if you take of it, then then you get to decide what's right and wrong. You do you, Eve. Because you're just following the course of the world. You're following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. That's Satan's message from day one. Do you? Come on. He can't tell you. If you have a desire, he can't tell you to deny yourself and follow him. He goes, that's what you did. And he says, you were by nature children of wrath. Guys, again, see, the world twists everything. They tell you, you're a good person. Scripture says, you're a child of wrath. The world says, I'm a good person and I deserve blessing. And what Scripture says is that, no, you're a child of wrath and you deserve the wrath that's coming to you. But that being, that's my favorite but in the Bible. Right? That's just like, what if it just ended there? But God, that almighty, amazing creator, he's actually rich in mercy. That's 
the best news. Like that being, what if he wasn't rich in mercy? What would we do today? What would we do the rest of our lives if he didn't want to be merciful? That's in his character. It's who he is. It's like, I, I know, here's what I want to do. You are so guilty. But in me is this mercy. I'm overflowing, rich in mercy. So I want to find a way so that you don't have to pay for your sins. So you don't have to be a child of wrath. That's him. This is amazing news. I don't know if you knew this, but he's rich in mercy. And because of his great, did you know he had great love for us? Even while we were sinners? That's amazing news. That being, that terrifying being, not only is he rich in mercy, but he loves you. He so loves you. That's what we're celebrating. He so loves us. Man, this is the, that's why whatever happened this week, who cares? This is great news. He loves me and he made a way for me to be seated with him. With Christ in the heavenly place, even though he, the perfect judge, has seen everything I've done. He knows everything I did as a teenager that I'm still sick about. He knows everything I did as a college student. He watched it. He's seen the hypocrisy in my life. And he looks at that little child of wrath who's following just whatever he feels like doing. And praise God, he's rich in mercy. And somehow he could look at me and say, I still love him. And I actually want to forgive him. And so I'll take my son. Because I'm a fair God and I'm a fair and righteous judge, someone has to pay. So let me take this one who is innocent. See, if John paid for my sins, it wouldn't work because you're guilty. Probably more guilty than me. I mean, that's my guess. But, you know, it's like, what can he do for me? But the Bible says he took him who knew no sin, perfectly righteous, and he had his son become sin on my behalf. So he had Jesus on the cross and go, you know what? I'm going to put Francis and, and Kevin's sin on you. And you're going to take it. Why? Because I'm rich in mercy and I love these people. And so he's watching this and he puts all of his, my sin, your sin on his perfect son and has him crucified. And there he's paying for all of my crimes. He made him who knew no sin become sin on my behalf so that I might become the righteousness of God through him. So then all my sin was transferred there. For those of us who believe that terrifying God, that whirlwind, that blazing fire, that coming judge, is full of mercy, full of love, and said, I want to show the world love like they've never seen. I'm putting it all on my son. But those who believe in him, we won't perish for our sins. We won't be children of wrath anymore. In fact, we become the righteousness of God 
And the Bible says, God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. This is my favorite part lately. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why all of this? All of this was done so that in the coming ages, in the coming, this is this was his goal and all, so that in the coming ages, he might, that God, that amazing, all-powerful God, says that in the coming ages, I want to show the immeasurable riches of my grace and kindness toward you. Why did God save me so one day he could just show off his grace? He's going to pour out so much grace on me that you all are going to look and go, shut up. You've got to be kidding me. God's grace. You seriously are going to give Francis all of that. You seriously are going to forgive him of all of that and give him all of this in Jesus so I went from being a child of wrath that should have received all this wrath from the terrifying judge to being a recipient of the grace of God, the immeasurable riches of his grace for all of eternity. That's good news. And the good news is he doesn't just want you to pray a prayer and ask him to, you know, save you from hell. He says, I actually want a relationship with you. I'm talking about deeper than a bride. He goes, I, I want to enter you. I actually want to put my very spirit into your body so that you can follow me. Because I have plans for your life on this earth. God wants to commune with you and lead you. This is great news. Again, the world will try to twist this and say that's bad news. I don't want to be led by anyone. I just want to do my thing. I want some spirit in me telling me What's right and wrong, go this way, go that way. I want to be my own God. I want to make my own decisions. And I'm saying, gosh, you don't get the gospel. If you understand who this God is and his love and mercy, and he's saying he wants to enter into you, you would see that treasure and go, well, you can take everything else. You just give me that. You just come into me and become one with me, and I'm good. And I'll wait for that day when you just pour out all your grace in front of all the angels and saints and you pour your grace out on me. And you and me are together forever, me and Almighty God. He wants to enter into you. Jesus said this, John 
John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus said, I'm not just leaving you down on the earth after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He goes, I'm not just leaving you like that. He says, I'll be with you always. So back to where I started. We're not alone in this room. Okay? That's not just Christian lingo. Like, I literally believe that God that I was talking about, he's here with us. And he says that we somehow collectively, those of us who believe in Jesus, when we gather together, we like a bunch of different bricks, just like there's, there's blocks on this wall. Like, what, like this would be me I'm a little darker than some of you. So here's me, and, 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 and somehow we, we form together. That's all I am is one block in this thing. And somehow we form a temple and his spirit dwells amidst us. And so when we come together in unity, that's why we fight so hard for oneness in the church is because when we lay our egos aside and our arrogance and we come together as one, something special happens where his spirit inhabits us in a special way. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake that gathering together of the saints. Don't, don't go off doing your own thing like it's all about you. You got to fight against any division that will happen in here. Because Jesus says, look, if you become perfectly one, then the world will know that you're my disciples. There's something about unity that his spirit wants to do. That's why we put aside all the selfish ambition. Look. Right? We're all arrogant people. Man, we wrestle with just thinking we know more than others. And we're more righteous than others. And we're wiser than others. But other people just don't get it. And we're all the victims, right? It's because of what this guy did to me. It's what this girl did to me. It's what the church did to me. It's what this leader did. And I'm not discounting that. We've all been hurt. We've got to understand that, man, we've also all hurt other people. And God, what his spirit wants is for us to be united, to become one under the good news. Like that, that's why Paul says, look, if there's any encouragement in Christ, did you get any encouragement from knowing you were a child of wrath? And you're just awaiting judgment from this terrifying God. You're a child of wrath. And then because of his mercy, because you're so rich in mercy and so full of love for you, he gave everything so that you could be forgiven. He goes, if you get any encouragement from that, would you make my joy complete by being of the same mind? Being of one heart? Can we just put aside our differences? And our arrogance and just come together as one celebrating the good news of what he did on the cross 
That's what his spirit wants to do in us. I believe his spirit is in me as an individual. And I believe his spirit moves mightily when spirit-filled believers come together as one. And with one heart say, you're worthy. That's why we're about to take communion. That's why we're about to take the body and blood of Jesus Christ. He commanded us, you guys, this is why we take the bread and cup in our homes every week, hopefully. Is because if we don't, we're going to get sidetracked by other things. And we're going to talk about different issues. And, and, and in a room of even 10 people, there are going to be 10 different priorities of what we should talk about. And those early believers said, no, we're going to devote ourselves to communion. We're going to devote ourselves to the Lord's prayer. We're going to take this bread. We're going to take this cup because it's going to remind us of the body and blood of Jesus. And we're going to do this together for those of you who believe. Um, I can think of no better way to uh, celebrate Easter than with communion. So I'm going to have uh, um, come up here, son. <laughs> this is Peter. He just proposed to my daughter on Friday. Uh, it's really weird. Okay. <laughs> it is weird. It's okay, son. Um, He's going to lead us in communion. You know, I think about news, you know, and, and that's, as a dad, that's, that's good news. I mean, go, wow, my daughter's going to be with someone who loves the Lord. But even amidst good news, there's this great, great, great news that always has to be first. By a long shot. I don't care if you had, you just had a baby. I don't care if you just got married. I don't care if you just won the lottery and had a baby after getting married. Like, it's just, it's just so low in comparison to this great news. We're free in Christ. We're clean. And he's in this room with us. And we get to commune with him. Yeah, I don't really need to say anything. <laughs> That's it. Like, there's no better way to celebrate Easter and just remember what the Lord did. And unlike Francis, I did skip ahead and just read the resurrection story today. And so, yeah, I just wanted to read. This is what we're doing right now is that Jesus... Um, the night that he was portrayed, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
see how we just get to remember right now and rejoice in the blood that's been poured out for our sins. So good. Um, but there is warning with this because we don't want to just come in and assume, kind of like Francis was sharing, that God is a judge. He's a good judge. And he knows our hearts. And so we're called to examine our hearts as we come. And if there are, is any willful, deliberate sin, or if we're not coming under his authority, his, his rule, then I just ask you to not take, uh, take of the bread and of the juice right now. I yeah, just pray through that, maybe talk to someone um, today and deal with that if there's any bitterness, unforgiveness. Yeah, um, just rid yourself of it because God sees, he knows. Um, but if not, if, if you're coming and as you examine your heart, and just yeah, there's just joy, then this is come and take with joy. Remember Jesus' body and his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So there's four different stations in each corner. Um, so yeah, let's just take a few minutes to examine. And then if you go and I'll take some bread, some juice, and then I will pray and bless it before we eat, all eat together. So we'll take a few, a few minutes. Just examine our hearts.